Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. everybody and welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters this is katie weaver and i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody excited to be here yeah this is our (laughs) first show of the week and after last week you know you guys heard and saw from us i took a nap for like two days after Mm. last week i'm just saying well last week was it was insane, as you guys know, with all of the uh, the Valo stuff, and who the hell knows what this week is going to bring. It's there's probably right. stuff. There's there's, there's probably coming, stuff. I'll bet. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it feels like we've all kind of been hit by a Mack truck, but hey, you know what? Yeah, we'll take it. But I have well, a different case for you entirely. Yay! This is Yay. a cold you mean read. We don't have to talk about the Daybell case. <laughs> No, but you'll see a few similarities, unfortunately. Oh, dear. This is a missing seven-year-old. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, her name is Brittany Renee Williams. Okay. She has been missing since the 18th of August, 2000. She went missing from Richmond, Virginia. She's female. She's biracial, black and white. She was born in 1993. Okay. She was seven years old. Brittany was born with AIDS. Her oh mama was a drug addict who had AIDS and oh, no. had an AIDS baby. And she has very specific medical needs. She yeah. had a porticath tube in the upper left side of her chest. That had to be cared for daily oh. and had a lot of other really serious health issues. Sure. We have well, a few pictures. Absolutely, darling. Look at that. Oh, absolutely, darling. Uh, when she went missing, however, her hair was chopped really close to the scalp because of a recent head lice infestation. Oh. And you'll you'll be more disgusted about that in a minute. But that's what we know about her The basics, but let me tell you the story. Okay. So her mother, Rose, was diagnosed with AIDS three months before Brittany's birth. Oh, gosh. And she was a mess. And Brittany was in and out of foster care for the first few years of her life pretty constantly. Mm -hmm. And Rose got started associating with this woman who owned a charity called Rainbow Kids. And it was for kids like Rose, or, or I'm sorry, like Brittany, and, mm-hmm. you know, that were AIDS babies or drug babies or had some other kinds of health issues and maybe some tumultuous uh, parenting situations. Sure. 
Okay. And obviously Rose was in no place to raise this baby that had major health issues. Sure. And so, but Rose and Kim got really close. Kim, the lady that owned the charity. Okay. And she would sometimes drop her off there and Kim would take care of her for whatever amount of time when Rose wasn't really up to taking care of her. And she, Kim asked her to fill out paperwork uh, stating that if anything ever happened to her, that uh, Rose would go to live with Kim. So she did that. Mm -hmm. And in 1996, Rose died. Mm. So Brittany was only about three and a half at the time, and she was given to Kim. Well, Kim owned this charity and was not the angel that she wanted to appear to others. She had custody of several children that had come to her in very similar ways. Mm. And she received, so she was getting like, state and federal monies every month for all of the different kids that she was taking care of. Sure. And in fact, uh, she had as many as 50 foster kids, not at the same time, but she was cycling through over time, a lot of foster kids and they were all like special needs kids and just a lot of uh, rough situations, but the kids weren't being taken care of very well. There were lots of reports of CPS being called in by family members, by schools, by others saying there's, this is a bad situation. There's something wrong here. Um, and they would always investigate and walk away. Mm. But there was, at one point she started advertising her charity on TV, asking for donations and she got a bunch of money and completely renovated her home, which I think I can understand if you have a bunch of special needs kids living in it, you know, But Mm -hmm. a lot of people felt like she was really gross with the money that she was receiving and that she just wasn't caring for the kids that were in her care. Their medical care was pretty sloppy. Mm -hmm. The house was really dirty. There just wasn't, you know, this was a bad situation. So Brittany had an aunt who was Rose's sister who did uh, spend time with her. Her name was Brenda. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to take her. She wanted to take her and she would have taken her when her sister died, except for that she had already given Kim some kind of permission and already signed something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but she did allow her to take her home on the weekends every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And she said that she was a happy little girl for the most part. But when they it was time to go back to Kim, she would get really emotional and sad and not really want to go. And so she was getting more and more worried. She had called CPS a couple of times over things that just didn't feel right to her. Mm-hmm. And she really didn't like Kim. She really felt like Kim was uh, dishonest and skeezy. And she said there was something about how Kim was really overly friendly and mm-hmm. overly perky and overly everything is awesome, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, just really yucky. <clears throat> so... When Brittany was seven, Kim called Brenda and said she couldn't take care of Brittany anymore. Why? Because she had people doing work and reservations on the house, and Brittany was flirting with all of the men. 
She was seven. She was seven. <sighs> and it, that was just, had become a real problem. And she was worried that Brittany was just going to go down the same path her mother did. Oh, my gosh. Again, she was seven. Right. So, Brenda hadn't seen her in a little bit. And when she got this call, and we know that the last time Brittany was officially seen by anybody was August 18th, 2000. Okay. And it was just shortly after that time, sometime within the end of that month, it sounds like, when she called her with this routine. So Brenda said, okay, I will take her. I will take her. And Kim said, oh, you're too late. I've already put, I've already adopted her out to a couple in California. Adopted her out? Mm-hmm. What? And Kim, she didn't so, actually have the power to do something like that. No. So Brenda is horrified and furious and trying to figure out where in the world Brittany is. Right. So she blocks her phone calls. Uh, Kim blocks Brenda's phone number. She shows up at her house and knocks on her door a couple of times. She refuses to answer the door. So she goes to the state and says, there is something seriously wrong here, right? So the state brings Kim in for questioning. And because she also stopped attending school with no notice or any uh, explanation either. And so both the school and her Aunt Brenda had, you know, complained to authorities that something was up. So she tells the state, oh, well, she just, she went to live with relatives. And they just took that, that face value and said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? So Brenda was her relative. Like, yeah. So Brenda won't shut up about it, you know, obviously. Right. A year goes by and the state orders Kim to bring Brittany in for a paternity test. Because actually, because she was a welfare recipient, they were trying to figure out um, who her father is, who she was supposed to be with, right? And they, seven, like they didn't I know. think of saying that when she was born, because that's what happens yeah. here. Mm-hmm. It happens at birth. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit oh. deals here. Yeah. So, but of this course, is, what state is this? This is. I got to go back. Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when she doesn't show up with Brittany for the paternity test, they bring her back in for questioning and want to know why she didn't bring her in or have someone bring her in. Cause right. She was just living with relatives at the time. So they, she should have been able to do that, but nay, nay, she doesn't show up. They bring her in and question her. And yet again, she says she's just living with relatives and they hadn't had time to bring her in. And they let that go again. Oh, my God. Finally, in 2003, a news reporter picks up cases that uh, about missing per- persons mm-hmm. that uh, I'm guessing it's Brenda who got their information to her. And they, they really pick up the story and start asking the, the hard questions about where is this child and right. who is this Kim and what is this charity and what's really going on here? Yeah. And they make some pretty big noise. And it kind of forces the authorities to do something. So they come and they search. And of course, there is no Brittany. And 
no answers. So Kim just refuses to say, and they jail her for con contempt of court because she's refusing to give up any info about where Brittany actually is. So after she sits in jail for a while, she finally says that she passed Brittany off to a couple named Linda and Kathy, who were two women that worked as volunteers for Rainbow Kids. So the police go and hunt down Brenda and or Kathy and uh, Linda. Linda and ask them, you know, say that we need you to produce the child. We need to see what's going on here. And they remembered her, but they had never had her in their care. Oh, see, I told you this was kind of Valo-esque. This is now three years that no one has seen this little baby. Yep. Oh, my God. So they finally start to think, huh, could it be? Did Kim do something to Brittany? Makes you wonder. So they search her house. They tear it apart. They even checked her septic tank. They couldn't come up with anything. So... Basically, they end up ruling. They don't think she could possibly still alive because she had intense medical care needs. Right. And there's no record of her going to a doctor anywhere. Well, yeah. No one noticed that she wasn't getting her meds. Like, right. I mean, there are so many people that should have noticed. Right. With a child like that. Hey, she's not coming in for because those ports have to be maintained. And that's yeah. a big deal. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they. Then they realize that Kim has been accepting payments for Brittany. Like, how many times has this baby fallen through the cracks here? So she has accepted about $16,000 in payments for her. Oh, boy. So she's sentenced to 10 years in prison for fraud and contempt of court. And she loses her charity and her foster children and yada, yada, obviously. Mm -hmm. So... Her defense is that she did give Brittany to Linda and Kathy, and she doesn't know why they're saying that. And also, she mailed them all of the money she was receiving on Brittany's behalf. Mm, but again, there is no proof of that. And both of these women are saying, we don't know what you're talking about. She has never been in our care. We did not foster her. We don't. I mean, we never received any money from you. Yeah. And obviously she lost and ended up, you know, getting prosecuted, but not prosecuted for the Missing, you know, the disappearance of this child. Right. What about child endangerment, child abuse? You know, you don't right? have to produce a body to charge somebody with those things. It's insane. It's just insane <coughs> what has happened and how badly she fell through the, the cracks here. It's so scary because these things happen with foster kids a lot. Yeah. Now, she especially had in big cities and, you know, states with really, really busy yeah. Child Protective Services and stuff. They just, this happens. Yeah. Now, she was actually indicted on 73 felony charges, yeah. but they were mostly for fraud and money laundering and some uh, wire charge, wire fraud and mail fraud. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's basically all it was. There was a bunch of Medicaid fraud, you know, for all the money she kept. <sighs> So she's actually now done her time and is out. And still with Brittany, no answer about Brittany. Yep. And little Brittany's uh, case has never been solved. No one ever knew what Did happened. Did they actually declare her a missing child at some point? I mean, yeah. Yeah. She's been declared a missing child, but 
Uh, what they do know is that her social security number and Medicaid card, they've never been used in any state since her disappearance. And because of the health and, you know, situation she had, she would not have lived without medical care. Right. So, and without using her Medicaid, she wouldn't have been able to get her medicine. So, or, you know, whoever was taking care of her would never have been able to get her medicine. So they suspect foul play. They don't believe she's alive, but they've never actually charged Kim Parker. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty freaking rich, isn't it? That is. That's just unbelievable to me mm-hmm. that they would let that go for so long. Mm-hmm. They just, they don't, just don't give a shit. No. No, that's they awful. Don't. It's horrible. Now, and now when I say her hair was chopped really close to the scalp because of a, because of a head lice infestation, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Just lots of neglect. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, Christy, I'm going to ask you to give us a psychic read on this case and tell us what you think happened to Brittany. Okay. All right. And we are back. So this, again, is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is our Monday case, and we are talking about the disappearance of Brittany Renee Williams, a seven-year-old who disappeared and in a web of foster mom lies, and we're still trying to figure out what in the world happened to this baby. So, Christy, take it away. What do you got? Okay, so what I feel happened to Brittany is that she died of an infection. I don't feel that Kim actually killed her intentionally, but she did kill her with neglect. And what I feel is she feels really hot and fevery to me. She got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I keep feeling like it had to do with her port, that it hadn't been cleaned properly, and that she got an infection. Um, I feel like she died pretty quickly, quicker than Kim maybe would have expected because she just wasn't really taking care of her and wasn't really paying attention. And so she kind of knew she was sick, but she didn't, wasn't really doing anything about it. But then when she died, she knew she was in deep shit. I, she did move her body. Um, I feel like it's in a body of water. I feel like she weighted her down and put her in a lake, maybe something big, big body of water. And then waited a little while, kind of waited until she knew she was going to start hearing from Aunt Brenda Mm -hmm. and then made up the story about Mm -hmm. sending off to California. Uh, But I I don't feel she, you know, killed her intentionally, but she definitely killed her. I mean, Mm -hmm. a very vulnerable child who wasn't being taken care of and, yeah, somebody in that. I mean, I, I I resonate with it in some ways because I have a primary immune deficiency that it's not as serious as AIDS, but it's kind of a similar concept that if you get yeah. sick, you pay damn close attention. Mm-hmm. No one was. No. <clears throat> she didn't get any medical care. Nobody took her to the doctor. She needed help and she just didn't get it. And she just, she died. Oh. That's horrifying. Little thing, my God. So why didn't she just report her death? Um, because she knew she would be blamed. Mm-hmm. 
She knew she would be blamed, that she knew it would bring a bunch of attention to her situation there. She had that she kind of has like a God complex. Mm-hmm. She's really sure that she's always right and that she can do everything. And, you know, she takes on way too much, but she really liked the attention and the, the uh, energy around getting, uh, you know, all the accolades for the work that she was doing in a child mm-hmm. dying would have been the end of it i mean as as a foster parent myself a child Mm -hmm. dies in your care you're done yeah you know unless it was like like a crazy accident or something i mean but a child that is very ill dies in your care Mm -hmm. and and you haven't cared for them you're in deep shit she knew you know she was basically just delaying the inevitable because it was going to put all this attention on her Mm -hmm. and then they were going to find all the fraud and all the crap she's done and so for her, it was better to cover this up because she she knew what would happen to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just evil, evil, yeah. evil. So, but it's an evil uh, system too. First of all, that yeah. let one person take on many children with mm-hmm. problems. Stupid, very yeah. stupid. Not okay. I mean, how many yeah. parents have to deal with that, you know? You yeah. don't let one person deal with children with problems. It's just it, nobody can do it, you know. No. And then, I mean, to just really not give a damn about where she was. Yeah. Just trusting yeah. this person implicitly, you know, yeah. without any, you know, concern for maybe what she had, what she was doing, you know. Yeah. It's a scary thing. And it's a thing that happens sometimes in foster care because. You know, you get a foster parent that you think is really great, and then they kind of let the rules slip for them. Yeah. And it's bad. It's bad because it can go bad. Yeah. And, like, for her, it you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, the child protection system is very broken. Yeah. Everywhere. You know, our laws vary so much from state to state. Yeah. And the, the oversight of foster parents, especially foster parents with multiple kids, is not good. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just the, the fact that they were allowing her to do some of the things that she'd done in the first place, you can see that they, she already knew she could get away with some shit. Yeah. She had been for a long time and no one was paying attention. Which, yeah, exactly. It really makes you wonder what else she did, you know, oh, man. right. What else did she do? What other children have suffered? What other children, who knows, have disappeared because, if they didn't have a family member with a finger on them, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If, if if Brenda hadn't been paying attention to what was happening, Brenda yeah. would have just disappeared and no one would have ever even cared or noticed. Apparently. Yep. Yep. Well, it's a good reason to pay attention to what's going on in your state and to always demand better for children. Yes. Always. 100%. 100%. But poor little Brittany. I mean, the, the hard part with her is that yeah. she was always going to have an end like that. It yeah. was always going to end that way in, you know, in some respect, but yeah, maybe it could have ended that way with some care right? without just misery. Right. Right. She, when I feel into it, she feels hot and she hurts all over mm-hmm. because she's got like this systemic infection that is just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She went septic. Yep. She and, went no one septic cared. and she mm-hmm. probably went septic really fast. 
I always had, I have this feeling too, like maybe she had been not home, you know, left some of these kids kind of unsupervised. And, mm-hmm. you know, that during that time period when this happened, that she was really egregiously neglectful mm-hmm. and that she was really afraid of all of that being known. So yeah, I'm right mm-hmm. there with you. I feel like you're yes. absolutely correct. So, well, rest in peace to poor little Brittany. So you guys, thank you so much for being here. We will be back tomorrow with our group case for the week. I'm sure you're going to see some pop-ups this week with some Vallow Daybell movement because it just keeps on moving. Yeah, the train just keeps on uh, rolling. So thank you so much for being here. This is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.